Hello again, and welcome to Gamer Era, um, the podcast that that keeps going, doesn't stop, uh, runs runs like clockwork. How are we doing today, David? Um, uh, on this I'm, wonderful day. On this wonderful day, I am feeling blessed. Um, I made a cup of tea, and I was like, okay, you know, it's gonna be like a great cup of tea. And I put one drop of milk in, and I turned milky straight away. And oh no! <laughs> I, I, I've, I, it's all been downhill from there, but um, it's been like, how have you been? I've been good. I've been good. I, it's funny that you bring that up because I I just uh, clicked off from uh, Twitter to see that the discourse of the day was somebody adding milk to the the uh, mug before they put the tea in, which is <laughs> like we've done this so many times. It's like it's like the what's the deal with airline food of like Twitter discourse. It's just like come on, this is like bean dad territory. Like we've done this. We've done it so many times. Um, but I guess there's always new people coming onto that site somehow. Um, yeah, pretty good for the most part. There's like, as I've been saying for the last few records, for full context, we're recording this one the day before the launch. So we're like, like the new, the first episode comes out for you guys tomorrow from our perspective. So we're like quite excited about it, but it's also, uh, you know, obvious nerves. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that I've been talking about sort of off mic, uh, with David is, um, just the constant temptation to bring up stuff that's like in the news, like this week, but then having to think about the fact that it's, this episode's coming out like two or three weeks in the future, um, mm-hmm. and whether it's going to date things massively, the big flavor of this week is Xbox apparently, <laughs> just giving up it seems like it just it, mm-hmm. it's just fallen down and by the time this episode comes out this will be old news um because the most recent thing is phil spencer saying oh yeah we're gonna have a big all hands on deck uh st- like meeting about this next week which apparently they were gonna do at the end of the month but they've like shifted ahead because the, mm-hmm. basically the the discourse got out of control it started with one person being like oh there might be one big triple a xbox game coming and then it's just like all the dominoes have fallen and it's just like everything's just getting sent across but yeah uh so other than resisting that temptation yeah i've been good i've been good um how's how's your week in gaming been david um well i'll say the big one that i've been talking to you about quite well a bit in the last 24 hours till the end mm. um i have been continuing my drive to discover the truth behind uh lego um i beat i played and beat lego marvel the avengers which is just like you have like the two games beforehand which are more or less just based on like comic stuff and then this one is mm. like if you took if they make a it's like the lego game of the first two avengers movies so it's all like movie oh. stuff. it's 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 very very kind of bare bones um and then i beat the original lego star wars and that was that was fun but it wasn't as fun my friends as playing ncis 3d on the 3ds allow me to paint a scene i'm trying to play through every single 3ds game known to man this is my new project this is my new goal but I don't, okay. want to do, I don't want to do in like release order because i've already played all the launch titles and i don't want to do them again because you know 
there's only so many times in your life you can play Asphalt 3D uh, before you before you realize that you you've wasted your life. Um, so, so I I decided to play. You know, I said like I'll, I'll I'll grab some like random stuff from here and there and see what sticks. Mm. And uh, fun fact, I <laughs> when I was like fourteen, fifteen. Um, so my commute to school, I took up like half six, basically, or seven. Well, it was like half six or six, six o'clock because I had to be at the door by like half seven or yeah, half a half seven mm. to get a, to get to drive to the bus and then get the bus into school, which right at like twenty to nine, and I had school at nine o'clock. So I get up at like half six and I have an hour to myself, basically, to do whatever I want to do. And mm. what I did was I'd watch NCIS <laughs> um, rather than do like schoolwork or like go online. Mm. I'd watch episodes of Hit uh, Naval Procedural NCIS. So I said, no, I'll start with NCIS 3D. You know, it's probably like a it's probably like a game where you know you you can get through in like an hour and then like you know you're you're kind of you're done. Mm. Um, I played for five hours yesterday, and I only beat two chapters. I only found today that you can save from the menu so i didn't know that yesterday right so, because you were saying to me yeah. oh, no, you save after each yeah. chapter so you were sitting there yeah. <laughs> marathoning yeah. it for like two hours a oh my god oh, now the thing is it doesn't tell you can do that you have to basically like poke around the touch screen to find like your menu and stuff oh that's good so, though it's using the 3ds features it is such as <laughs> there's like okay so like to, like to investigate the crime scenes, you have to. It's, it's like one big story. It's a really strange story because, like, usually NCS stories are like, you know, mm. this ex naval officer turns up dead and like their best friend killed them for money, whatever. This one is like an international terrorist cell have stolen an experimental EMP laser mm. and stop them, but they keep like they they blow up like a helicopter and stuff. It's really weird. Mm. But like. It's like divided up to like your know, chapters, but chapters are like episodes of the show, more or less. Um, but the chapters are like two hours long, and you know, like there's no break in between, like all the act. It's like one continuous, like point and click kind of, you know, find mm. all the or interrogate this person. Um, but it's just it's it's like it's not good either because it's it's just a constant like barrage of of dialogue um, and really awkward dialogue. It mixed in with like two seconds of 3D animation because they could like stick in like a uh, really awkward 3D animation of of Agent Gibbs. Uh, oh, good. Is, is it that era? Is it that era of like? Do you remember there was that uh Born Supremacy game for 360? I think that mm -hmm. had like weird like <laughs> uncanny valley versions of the characters. Well, it is. It's like it has like um the closest thing can think of it has like dating sim drawings of each character. Oh, oh man! Oh yeah, these cutscenes are very. In this is exactly how I expected it to look. Okay, it's all the like, hands and like the three D cutscenes that they throw in. It's like really, really off model looking people. Yeah, um, but like you have to like investigate a crime scene and like one of the things that you'll find like a clue and they're like, okay, photograph that, and you use like the gyro to like move the camera around and like. Of course, it's it is using all like the three DS features. But I like, was seeing it's a Ubisoft game. Those guys yeah. did go hard in on 3DS support they like went, early on. They went all in with this one. Um, I'm nine hours into the game. I haven't beaten chapter three. Um, so I'm hoping, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping to have a finish by next week. 
or if at all next year at this at this race. But um, yeah, you know, just just trucking along. How about you? Um, my weekend gaming has been um flitting about quite a bit because um I was like trying to find like a good hook for a topic and I was following the Link's Awakening thread that I had last week so I did get the Zelda game and watch and it's mm. very nice um the NES games definitely look a lot better like they're very crisp on the screen you can tell they've had to like do some weird scaling to Link's Awakening itself um actually having a surprising amount of time playing like the black and white version and I found out that it has all the different um regional variants so i can even play it in french if i really want to <laughs> throw back to that experience um there's also like a weird easter egg which i'm quite surprised they kept where um if you set your name in the german version to like moise it's like m-o-y-s-e who's the i think like the lead programmer or the lead translator or something for the german version mm-hmm. it's not playing this really weird like very very european like sort of dance music it's like um but they removed that from the deluxe version and obviously that was what was on virtual console afterwards so i was really surprised they like left that in it was probably more effort to take it out because it didn't seem authorized um the base game already had like a an easter egg where if you put your name in as zelda in all caps then it would play like a sort of um fiesta like latin version of the um zelda theme so i've been having a good time with that like just having a little again as i've been as i was saying with playdate as well just having this little like tiny dedicated device i'm like look i i will play the zelda games on this Mm. and then you know i can shut it off and not worry about it fantastic um the other thing that I followed, which probably isn't going to make it to the main segment, so I will bring it up a bit here, is um, I was playing James Bond 007 on the Game Boy. Um, I don't know if you know anything about this game, but it is like frequently weirdly compared to Link's Awakening. So I, I don't know like why I just that suddenly like sparked in my brain that I wanted to play this game. Um, but I think I was also, I wanted to get onto like Bond stuff at some point, and that's going to be my main segment. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's one of two games that came from Nintendo owning the like Bond license for a while. Like obviously they did Goldeneye and then they did this game like a year later. And then they basically like surrendered it to EA after that because Rare didn't want to do another James Bond game. Um, and this James Bond game on Game Boy is quite rough. Um, it feels a lot like a first draft. It's got like weird sort of homebrew energy. Um, the sprites are quite crude. Um, all the like dialogue is weirdly childish as well. It's They kind of get the concept that it's like, oh, it's James Bond. He's a spy. He's supposed to be quippy. Um, but the way that they implement it is like really strange. I'm trying to pull up my notes so I can find the specific thing. Yeah, it's like um, you walk into a room with a baddie and they're like, uh, Mr. Bond, I'm afraid your visa has expired. And then he's like, thank you for telling me. I'm sure I'll get it renewed when I leave this place. <laughs> um, and it also all like all the text boxes are like, I know, all the text boxes are massive by Game Boy standards, but they only have like two lines of dialogue at a time. So all this stuff is like incredibly stilted. Like the first time he says Bond, James Bond, it's like you walk up to a guy and he's like, who are you? How did you? And then it's like cuts off. 
find this cuts off place and then it and then it just says bond comma the name's bond james new type new tech box bond it's like it just kills like all momentum i was like crying laughing because sometimes sometimes it specifies who's speaking and sometimes it doesn't it just looks like someone's just said like money penny like mid-sentence you're like huh oh right no that's the dialogue right um i i played a little bit of it it was like it was giving me incredibly bad vibes early on because it has this sort of thing where each level is set in a different place around the world and the first place it goes to is like shanghai or whatever oh no and it plays a little jingle oh no and it's like and you know exactly the, the like asian quartet or whatever they call it um you know exactly the one but it has like a weird flourish to it which is like it's not like it's a copyrighted thing or anything it's just like a weird thing that like some white guy came up with to like represent quote unquote the orient but it has like again i will put the the music of it in it's just got this weird flourish at the end which is almost like them being like yeah we did that and also them being like please don't sue um which was like immediately terrible first impression mm. It's also, again, as I said, it's a Game Boy game from an original Game Boy game from 1998, which is like the doldrums. Um, like I wasn't alive for most of the Game Boy era, but I caught up with a lot of it through Retronauts and like Jeremy Parrish's work on like the Game Boy work series and stuff. And like from that sort of oral history, I gather that sort of like around about 1994, 1995, like Game Boy interest in that console was like really sagging and there were like very few first party games and the ones that came out weren't super great and that sort of carries through until pokemon comes out and then the game boy color is like sort of a a soft relaunch of the entire line but yeah so like a game boy game in 1998 um sure doesn't feel like it it feels very early days um i don't know if it was like an inexperienced team or something um the developer's called sapphire just spelled with two f's Ooh. um i tried looking into them i i, I couldn't really find like much I, I don't know like if nintendo chose them or if it was like eon were like or, or dan jack or whoever were just like oh he you know you can work with these guys mm. they they'll work on a good budget it was actually um, James Bond's own home studio that he, he wrote. <laughs> his, his he started time. it from the ground up. <laughs> um, they were founded in 1993. They did quite a few ports. Oh, they actually did some interesting stuff. They did the N64 port of Rampage World Tour. Uh, some There was an Oddworld game, which is also a black and white Game Boy game from December 1998. So that's after the Game Boy Color is already out in Japan, but before it's out in the rest of the world. Um, I think I remember hearing it's like it's like half a port of uh, Abe's Odyssey, and it incorporates like the speech system, but you don't have the four face buttons that the PlayStation does, so it, they have to come up with some weird workarounds. Yeah. Anyway, main point was that uh, for a Game Boy game from 1998, it does not feel like they have a grip on the hardware at all. It's like Anytime a sound effect plays or you like change screens or pretty much do anything, it's like the entire game like shudders. You see the screen sort of flicker and like the music like hangs usually. Um, anytime you throw a punch as well, it's like just a little 
sound effect, but it like mm-hmm. it makes almost all the music cut out, which is just <laughs> it, for using a single sound channel. Don't know how it does that. Um, it has a lot of weird like I, I think why people compare it to Link's Awakening is it has the same system of like you have the A and B buttons and you can equip and unequip things to them. Mm-hmm. The default is like B is block and A is punch uh for like some very rudimentary combat but the fun thing is that the the block is just like it changes to a single frame of him in this like sort of fighting stance so as you're walking around the world you can just keep tapping b and he's just sort of like cha cha chaing around <laughs> um again as i say when you hit the punch button like half the music cuts out and he gets locked in place um the very first quote-unquote puzzle of the game is that you walk a few screens up and there's a guy that's like oh, I need to uh, fix this bridge, but I can't find my favorite hammer. And then you're like, okay. And then you just have to walk around all the houses. And then you go into one of the houses and then there's a woman in there and she just says, I'm the carpenter's wife. He loves his hammer. And then you have to go up to a bed behind her and punch it. And then you get the hammer. And he, say, he says, again, some quip. He's like, I, I wish I'd written it down, but he, he's just like, oh, a hammer, this would be quite useful uh, for a handyman or something. Um, and you're like, okay. And you go give it to him and he's like, oh, I'll fix the bridge. Uh, go away and come back. And I'll, you know, I'll have it fixed in a jiffy. Mm-hmm. And to their credit, I walk off the screen, immediately come back. The bridge is immediately fixed. And then I talk to the guy who's like, told you it would be quick, didn't I? I'm like, okay, fair enough. They have some humor about like the limitations of this. The, the, the bond in this sounds very sincere between the, the hammer thing and the, well, thank you. I will renew my <laughs> I will visa. renew my visa. Yeah. It, and it's like, because partly because it's a Game Boy game and the spread it's like eight pixels tall and partly because the art style is like again very rudimentary everyone has like a permanent like o face it's like you know two dots for the eyes and then an o for mm. the mouth so everyone just looks surprised which is lovely <laughs> um but it's a very indistinct likeness it literally could be any bond i think even on the box art he's like in silhouette so it's like you know and all the bonds look pretty similar up to that point so uh no worries about likeness rights or anything there i guess and then, yeah, you go into a, a Buddhist temple, which has the worst three-second-long loop ever. It's like the most shrill instrument. It's going on and on. And it's one of those loops where it, like, stops for a bit. And you're like, is that it? And then it starts again. Oh, it's the worst. Um, but, yeah, I was playing that for a bit because I was like, I'd seen some YouTubers had done videos before. They were like, oh, it's like Link's Awakening. It's the James Bond RPG, blah, blah, blah. Everyone always came to the same conclusion in those videos where they were like, yeah, this isn't actually that great of a game. It's like it's a. I suppose it was. It'd be okay if you're a kid or whatever. But like people mm-hmm. didn't like it at the time because Game Boy was long in the tooth, and like there were better games on Game Boy. And especially after GoldenEye, like this being the very next James Bond game was just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and like to have like Nintendo seal of quality and a big shiny sticker that says like new Game Boy release because they had to start telling people when new Game Boy games were coming out because people would. <laughs> there was no interest in the platform um i came to the exact same conclusion i don't know why i didn't think i would um but it was a it was a fun experience for the couple hours i i put into it um very rudimentary kind of charming in a weird way but probably not something i'd recommend unless you just like us you're a you're a glutton for just like weird licensed games so that was my experience this week outside of the main topic. We, we will revisit Mr. Bond. Mr. Bond will return, as they say, at the end of the films so many times.
Welcome back, Mr. Bond. <laughs> Your first assignment <laughs> is to talk about more James Bond games. <laughs> That's the <laughs> Bond. Oh, it's the famous chord that it plays when, when he, he, when he, <laughs> when he renew, assaults when, a barber. When he renews his visa. In the, in the, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, quite funny that I wound up talking about the, the Game Boy games so much. Because it, it, I, while I was researching it, I was like, okay, so the game itself isn't that compelling. But maybe I can find an angle on it. And then I was like, quite naively, oh, maybe I can just do sort of a general thing where I do an overview of all the James Bond games. There's a lot of James Bond games. Um, turns out there's been more than 30. <laughs> In 30 years, like from 1982 to 2012, there was basically a game every year. It, it, it kind of, the list is hard to count because it's like some of the lists I found counted the handheld versions as different versions and some of them didn't. But, you know, the handheld games are usually completely different, completely different teams. They might be like the same, you know, core thing, mm -hmm. but it, I count them as separate games. So finding that out was mad. The genres, the list of genres on Wikipedia is interesting because you've got text adventures, uh, which is the very first one, as far as I could find. You've got side scrollers, which makes sense. Uh, there's first and third person shooters. Um, <laughs> and then there's 007 Racing for the <laughs> PS1, which <laughs> sits by itself as like pretty much the sole racing game. Um, there is an Atari 2600 game as well, which is a side scrolling sort of you drive like you drive the car and then you it turns into a speedboat and then it turns into a submarine um and weirdly the framing device is quite similar to the most recent james bond game 007 legends Ooh. yeah we're gonna talk more about that <laughs> trust you me um the framing device for the atari 2600 one is that it's free james bond films it's um diamonds are forever moonraker and the spy who loved me i didn't watch too much of it I, I watched a couple people play it um i saw the diamonds of forever segment and apparently the way they interpreted that is that you're driving along in a car and you shoot a perfectly diagonal bullet into <laughs> diamonds in the sky and it like illuminates like hidden oil rigs and then you have to like land on it like perfectly and then it plays like this excruciatingly loud version of the Bond theme that changes key halfway through. Um, and then you go on to the, like, the next stage, which is, I, I guess, Moonraker. I don't know. Um, it, it looked like very similar gameplay at the time. People didn't like it that much. Um, it was kind of a confounding release. The best part I could find about it was that the manual was like written as if it was written by Q. So it was all like, oh, I'm sorry, old boy. We don't have these gadgets this time around, but you could do this, which I'm always a sucker for. Mm -hmm. I always love a good, a good Q segment. But yeah, the list of platforms on Wikipedia is about probably about 40 systems. <laughs> Uh, across those 30 games. Um, the ones that drew my attention the most are two that I've literally never heard of in my life before this. Um, the Auric One and the Auric Atmos, um, which are both French microcomputers. Um, and I believe that's where the text adventure is. I looked into it a little. It, it's basically a ZX Spectrum, like it has similar specs, but it's like exclusive to France. So those James Bond games, I believe, are exclusive to France as well. Oui, oui. Uh, yeah, again, hard to find much information about this on the English-speaking part of the internet. Shocker, I know. The other thing that drew my eye in the Wikipedia list was the only one that wasn't 
highlighted in blue you know it doesn't have a wikipedia page which was just dedicated and i was like what is it like a james bond bug, uh plug and play or something there was a golden eye handheld from tiger electronics which looks absolutely inscrutable this is the point when tiger are making these lcd games that are just punching way above their weight mm -hmm. like there's all these stats you have to keep track of i i didn't look too much into it but i because again hard to find much footage of it they're very dim screens I don't know if they're like adapting the game more than anything. It sort of seems like you're just standing in a trench and like firing up and down. But even looking at these things, like it makes my head hurt, honestly. I'm just like, how did, how did these get made? But yeah, so I was looking through this history. I was like, okay, this is way too much. I have to find some kind of angle on this. And then I spotted Eurocom's name. So Eurocom is like a, a British developer that was founded in the late 80s, specifically to make NES games, but they obviously branched out as they went on. Um, found out that their headquarters were in Derby, so they actually share some lineage with Core Design, who were the original Tomb Raider developers. Um, I don't know if you knew this, uh, David, or listeners, there's actually a road in Derby named Lara Croft Way. Um, <laughs> in in their honor it's a hundred percent not a bit whenever you look it up on google there's always like three or four results that are like why is there a laura croft way in derby because people just don't know this it i think it only opened about 10 years ago or so um core design like went the way of the dodo long before that like i think uh 07 or something idos were just like eh, just pack it in but i found that interesting and Eurocom are just one of those developers you always see they're a bit of like a a reliable workhorse. Um, you always see them pop up for like spin-offs or like handheld ports or like little licensed projects. Um, some of the most notable ones I found were uh, Earthworm Jim on Game Boy and Game Gear. I can't believe they put that game on Game Gear. Like I Game Gear, whenever I look at it, it seems to be a platform that was viable for maybe like three years, mm -hmm. but uh, and then, you know, would just die. But I guess Earthworm Jim <laughs> fell under that purview. Um, they did a bunch of Midway games on like Dreamcast, stuff like that. They did uh, Crash Bash on PlayStation, which is the first Crash Bandicoot game that wasn't handled by Naughty Dog. Um, it's like a weird party game. I've never played it myself. I remember Catacurus did a video about it ages ago. Um, it turns go on forever it's not very good most mario party clones aren't good a lot of later mario parties aren't good <laughs> it's not worth talking about but i do find it just so fascinating that james bond was so prolific on so many systems and around the world as well not just in the uk or in america but it you know it, it's completely dried up since 007 legends since 2012 um and the only thing we know is that io the hitman guys are working on a game and i think that got announced in like t20 um i was worried because a lot of square enix's like western developers got like embraced as we call it mm -hmm. acquired by embracer the cold dead hand of embracer yep they uh, they're stuck in their cold dead hands thankfully they actually declared some independence from square enix before that so i think they're mostly safe but yeah, Embracer went on a big spending spree during the pandemic, bought a lot of studios, and then were apparently uh, very reliant on a big like cash injection that didn't happen this year. And they've just gutted all their studios, and it's 
real rough to see. Hmm. But yeah, hopefully that goes along without incident. I'm very worried about the fact that it's been four years since we heard anything about it, but I, I guess they're being protective about it to avoid giving off a bad first impression. Um, I always thought personally like a VR game where you're in like Q's lab would be fun. Um, there's been quite a few sort of VR tech demos that follow that kind of thing. There were those like portal themed ones. I think there was one for index and then there was one for steam deck as well where you know they show off all the features and you're in this enclosed environment um i suppose the thing is like you you do have to wonder how long the legs on that would be um maybe you could do some little levels built around like gadgets or whatever i don't i don't know how what the current like bond ip holder view on like gadgets and stuff is i don't know if they just see that as like too cheesy um it's always hard to tell where they they stand with the tone on these kind of things i think um but yeah with that uh preamble out of the way um i wanted to talk about eurocom's specific involvement with james bond because it has a weird sort of um beginning and end in quite similar territory so the first game they develop is uh actually a game called magician which is about magicians, uh, it's about magicians and mages <laughs> and wizards um this is one of those things this is where my brain goes i can't just be like oh james bond jr for the nes was the first game they ever played i have to actually like correct myself for some reason so magician is a game that nobody actually really knows when it came out because this is before <laughs> games had release dates eurocom said it was 1990 on their website apparently but then like loads of magazines didn't review it until like a year later and they were like oh it's coming out you know this february or whatever so like, either way first eurocom game or first released eurocom game mm. it's a side-scrolling rpg that has uh, a starvation meter so you have to like regularly eat so giving like weird Shenmue free vibes. Um, you can also, and this is why it's funny you brought up the NCIS thing. Apparently you can only save the game 15 times across the four <laughs> save files it gives you. And then I guess you have to wipe save files or something. Um, I don't know how long the game is. Um, I watched a couple videos about it. I knew it wasn't going to be a big talking point. I heard it described as an even more obtuse Simon's Quest, which is not good. And apparently after Eurocom closed, um, the lead programmer just released the source code for free. He was just <laughs> like, yeah, just have it. Just do whatever you want with it, which is baller as hell, honestly. But yes, the, the first game I did want to talk about is uh, James Bond Jr. for the NES. Um, they only did the NES version, not the SNES version, so don't get too excited. Um, so... I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, so is this an original like creation or is this based on something? And it turns out it is based on a cartoon from the 90s mm -hmm. about James Bond's nephew. <laughs> who's, who's called James Bond Jr. Who's called James Bond as well, amazingly. <laughs> um, his agent number is also 003 and a half. <laughs> I am not kidding. Um, in itself... It's based off a book, which is from 1967. So this is like real early. This is like five years after they started making the movies. Obviously not a Fleming novel, if you can <laughs> believe it, but officially licensed. In the research I was doing on this, I found a lot of uh, James Bond fans are very keen to tell you that it's not canon because James <laughs> Bond, as established, is an orphan and an only child. So he couldn't have a brother, let alone a, a nephew. 
um, who was also called James. Again, why? Um, it's also not to be confused with the Young Bond series oh, from the 2000s. Oh. Um, I remember seeing these, and this is where I got confused, because I was like, yeah, I remember the, the, this is around the time of, like, uh, Alex Ryder and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and sure enough, if you click through to the Young Bond Wikipedia page, there's a quite extensive see also section <laughs> uh, where it lists off Young Bond, uh, Alex Ryder, so, like, Anthony Horowitz's stormbreaker series or you know however you want to call it mm. uh something called jimmy coats which i actually didn't <laughs> click on um I, there's too much to talk about i'm not talking about all of these um cherub which i remember reading one of i think the first one's called class a mm -hmm. um and it's a very edgy like this is the oh, boot God. camp for teenage yeah. spies there's like a little like there's like a, a stabbing or something in, one, in that one. i remember I, I read in the back of a car yeah years years ago uh, the only thing I remember, I read it when I was about like 11 or 12, uh, yeah. was that they have an extensive part where someone's talking about like fooling um, the uh, anti-shoplifting, uh, I don't know what you call them, the, the things at the door that beep, um, <laughs> by like wrapping things in tinfoil and then it like doesn't work and then they like freak out and then that's how they get like enrolled into the spy school. <laughs> um, again, very edgy. <laughs> Uh, something called Henderson's Boys. Again, I didn't click on it. It sounds like a something from the '60s that Hanna Barbera like ripped off. I don't. I'm not interested. Uh, Agent Cody Banks, which is a very bold thing to put in there, but you know, fair plays to whoever decided on that. Again, something called Spy School. Didn't click on it. Um, then also just outline of James Bond, which is like interesting that you'd read an entire article about james bond jr and be like hmm but what about james bond senior what's he up to um and then johnny quest underneath it which again fair enough the only thing i know about johnny quest is that it like it venture brothers is parodying it essentially mm. um no mention of mi high heartbreakingly uh which was this sort of B uh, cbbc show about like uh, secret agents that are also school kids where they like sort of the first series or two was quite like serious and then they did a massive tonal switch they changed they recast a couple of the characters and then they made it so that it was like a lot more farcical um really weird show i remember watching a surprising amount of it it was the kind of show that would come on at like 2 p.m on a weekday so i like very much associate it with like sick days I have literally, I have no idea. Um, the only thing, like the only, the only like James Bond, because like the, even when I was that age, when I saw like you know, in terms of everything you said, the James Bond Junior stuff, not the, no, sorry, the Young Bond stuff. Yeah. Me. I even like at, at that age, I was like, that's just that's 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 a that's cynical, hacky. That's a cynical hacky cash grab. Yeah. I don't want to read that. Um, Stormbreaker. Yeah, I read that as well. Yeah, the thing that made me laugh, especially seeing that it was a concept from 1967, is knowing that when William Hartner was leaving the Doctor Who role, he like pitched like a the son of Doctor Who or whatever as a concept. <laughs> so he would have probably did, I don't know if it was like something in the if they were going to the same dinners or something, or if it was just something in the air. But like, love that. Um, yeah, I remember. Oh, Am I High? I just looked up. Uh, premiered on the eighth of January in two thousand seven. So that's about a week after Sarah Jane Adventures. I have that and the pilot 
or you know the first episode of sarah jane mm. those are just like linked in my brain because mm -hmm. that was just the big new shows of that year the other thing as well is that um of course stormbreaker the movie has an extended scene where he uses the nintendo three uh nintendo ds yes <laughs> yes and like the, the most like like the most like uh like paint comic sans uh yeah artwork on all the ds boxes and then because know, in the original it's a game boy, boy color, color he gets yeah. given or they i don't know game boy all one word because andy orovitz is a philistine <laughs> and doesn't doesn't game um I remember there's a there's a later book. I think one of the last Alex Ryder books I read. Uh, oh God, what was it called? Scorpia, I think, is about like a futuristic games console that's the most immersive thing ever. Maybe I'll do an Alex Ryder episode we at some to. point because I seem to have a lot to talk about. I mean, there was a game. There were GBA and mm -hmm. DS games, and also the the plot of Stormbreaker, the movie at least, <laughs> is that Mickey Rourke is isn't uh, is injecting <laughs> literal viruses into computers that will release yeah. and poison kids across the world. <laughs> Yeah, uh, because he was bullied for his accent as a kid, <laughs> and so he hates the British people. Fantastic story. Um, you can see why for the the Amazon show they did, they were just like, just go straight to point blank. <laughs> like Stormbreaker's just a terrible, terrible place to start. Um, but yeah, Scorpio, which I think was the last one I read, and this is also like following the Harry Potter trend, where each of the books is getting like bigger and bigger, mm -hmm. um, and like darker as well. The concept of that one is uh, that somebody's making a super advanced futuristic games console and it's like VR or whatever, metaverse. I, I don't remember too many details, but I do remember the uh, the villain giving like a big keynote presentation and specifically being like, it's much better than the GameCube. <laughs> it's like, wow, <laughs> shots fired. Um, but yeah, I... That is like the more I think about it, the funnier it is that there's so many versions of this like young Bond concept. I guess because it's it's just something that does appeal to kids, and it's such a toyetic like thing. Um, I guess like the the intent of the original like gadgets of James Bond. I mean, it's to like sell people luxury cars. I guess like the whole Aston Martin tie-in. Um, but then I guess the kids like really gravitated to the gadget bit of it. Um, I still see on like Wish sometimes those like MP3 player pens or like the recording pens that like have a microchip the size of a grain of rice. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> abysmal. Um, and also like kind of good that it sucks because it's just like legally very concerning. But uh, yeah, anyway, to get back onto James Bond Jr., I, I did again some cursory research because I find this stuff just fun to know about. Um, so it's also sort of from the wilderness years of James Bond, uh, which is sort of the period between Timothy Dalton's last film at the end of the 80s and then Pierce Brosnan's first one in the middle of the 90s, where like Dan Jack are like fighting over the rights of the series, who owns what, uh, who can do what with what characters. Um, and then they're struggling as well because the Cold War's over, so they can't do the same <clears throat> stories about uh russia being evil um i guess they can do those again now uh, <laughs> fun but it's it's from this this era where they don't really know what to do with james bond uh but they decide to go for a kids show so they pick back up this old james bond jr idea um and they run with that so that goes from 
basically the autumn of 1991 they do 65 episodes which is the like syndication like hot ticket like if you do a kids show in like the 90s or whatever you, you usually do like 60 episodes or whatever so the premise of the series is that it's about fighting scum which is an acronym of course for saboteurs and criminals united in mayhem um as the james bond wiki points out which yes there is a james bond wiki uh they're basically <laughs> spectre but it's like all the mo all the chair people of scum are like the descendants of the actual movie villains so let me read out all their names you've got uh the the key people so the key people the leader of scum is scumlord uh, his name is just Scumlord, which is great. Not even an acronym, just Scumlord. Uh, <laughs> oh god, I, I haven't read all these out like loud before, and it's it's already killing me. Um, his his lackey, his lead second in command, is Doctor Derange. Um, you've got Ms. Fortune, Doctor Julius No. So still Doctor No, but like they've. You know, unlike with James Bond, it's not Dr. No Jr. It's no, it's Dr. Julius No. Uh Auric Goldfinger, which is interesting <laughs> because I think that's that's like that's just that's just the guy I thought as much. Yeah, because I I when I've been looking at Legends footage, I'd heard Auric a lot and I was like, huh, that's familiar. There's Walker D. Plank, who I have that's to see. Me. That's that's and if he doesn't look like a pirate, I'm gonna be very disappointed. Oh, please load. Oh, I've never wanted to see an image so much in my life. Please load. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. Oh, that's yeah. incredible. That's like an action man villain. That's so good. There's Baron Von Scaren. Um, and then they've also got Goldiefinger. Um, again, I haven't looked at any of these characters, but I'm... You can't double dip on Goldfinger. You can, like, you can, you can have one or the other. You can't just be like, there's, there's Goldfinger and Goldfinger again. You know. I guess, yeah, that's the thing because all of them are like weird descendants or cousins or whatever. And then it's like, yeah, you've got actual Goldfinger, but then they have Goldie Finger, who's his like daughter, his daughter, not his niece or anything. Um. Oh God, I'm looking at her appearances. She appeared in the episodes City of Gold, Going for the Gold. <laughs> Goldie's Gold Scam and Goldie Finger at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> oh, I feel for the people that have to write these things because it's like, it's backbreaking work in a lot of ways, but also like, oh my God, just like out to lunch, man. Now, something I, I, I as I said, I didn't look at uh, many of the characters and that's mainly because the first one I clicked on, Dr. Julius No, because I was like, oh, maybe he looks like the actual Dr. No. Um, he has the most horrific yellow face. Oh no. Oh, um, no. <laughs> so, like, this series is never coming back. Like, you are not going <laughs> to see this on, like, 2B or, like, dug up out of some vault for, like, Amazon Prime Video or whatever. Like, they are not bringing this shit back. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that's obviously even if we're, the Broccolis weren't, like, insane and, like, constantly fighting people about the James Bond series. Like, it's not happening. James Bond Jr. No one can stop him, but Scum always tries. If young Bond cuts through each web of spies, he learned the game from his uncle James. Now he's heir to the name James Bond. Bond. 
the world. So that was some some flavor for the the game. So James Bond Jr. the game for NES comes out either 1991 or 1992. Again, nobody's sure because release dates aren't codified yet. Um, quite late era, either way. You know, NES is getting on in years. It's about eight or nine. The Famicom hardware is about eight or nine years old at this point. Uh, the SNES has been out for, you know, a good year. Um, I do have to say, pretty good looking. Um, it uses the palettes quite well. Like most of the player related elements are like this weird sort of sepia like sort of uh orange which would be quite unappetizing usually but it does help them sort of stand out against the saturated backgrounds uh so that's good but uh yeah i i did not play this myself um i <laughs> brought up a video on youtube and immediately had to be like i'm watching this shit at two times speed because <laughs> it is incredibly slow um, it's a lot of like vertical climbing up and down shafts. Um, I think there's like seven or so levels and it's one of those games where it's like you do one level in the standard style and then there's a vehicle stage and then you do another level and then there's another vehicle stage. Um, I, I didn't take note of what vehicles there were. It's, you know, it's James Bond. It's like, you know, it's a car, it's a speedboat, it's a helicopter probably, yeah, I was I was watching it at two times speed, and even then, it was not especially engaging. Um, it was you know climbing up and down these long shafts, going into a room, blasting a couple guys, going over to a computer, then like Q Junior or whoever goes like, "Well done, you got the blueprints," and then you move on to the next room. It has like fairly decent like european style blarpy music and i know i've leaned on european as like a crutch for a descriptor but it is like the most like if you've heard like what rare music sounds like on the nes like this is it um but the loops are like so incredibly short it's like the same i don't know the same like seven notes and then, but they're, they're like taking in and putting out instruments. It's like if you've ever, if you've ever taken like a, a MIDI file into GarageBand or something, and then you've like sat there and you've like played it back and then you're taking in and putting out instruments and you're like, oh yeah, I'm a real DJ. It's like that kind of vibe. Um, but again, the excruciatingly long, it's like 20 minutes of just the most monotonous gameplay while this is playing. I'm sure somebody holds this game very dear, but um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Humble beginnings, I'll say. Um, I nearly fell asleep while I was watching the gameplay, which um, I'm going to attribute to a big dinner uh, on my part. Um, <laughs> so I'll briefly cover a few things in between, but this was like one of Eurocom's earliest projects. Again, found that they start and end of a Bond game. Uh, so I'll go over these in you know, brisk detail to get onto sort of one of the main talking points. Uh, so you've got The World Is Not Enough, for the N64. Uh, this is the first like 3D Bond game, as far as I can tell. Or yeah, the first 3D Bond game on N64 coming after GoldenEye. This is when EA get the license. Um, it's following the GoldenEye template of having like the levels be sort of lived in locations and you're going around doing the espionage stuff. You know, all very perfectly cromulent is what I'd call it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's like, seems perfectly fine. Um, there is a Digital Foundry retro video, if you look it up, where they play a bunch of N64 first-person shooters and they're like losing their minds over how like confusing it feels because it's just like 
very liminal spaces. It's like you're just going through the back rooms and like trying to find like your passport or whatever to hand to the um and it's very easy to get turned around. Um then the next Bond game they do is 007 Nightfire. This is a 2002 title for, you know, all the sixth gen consoles, the PS2, the GameCube, the Xbox. Um pretty well received uh as an early sixth gen title the best accolade i could find for it was GameSpot ranking it as one of the best shooters of the year uh on gamecube at least and that's a year that had metroid prime and time splitters 2 so you know decent innings um mm -hmm. it's absolutely like a mid-budget game that's like trying to make itself something bigger I could be missing the mark on it. It could this could just be like what a big budget game looks like in 2002. But it just has that like I don't know. It's like it feels like there's more like passion than money going into it if you get what I mean. It's like uh a, they mm -hmm. they maybe didn't get the hugest budget, but they are like trying their best. There's lots of very odd looking pre-rendered cutscenes. Pierce Brosnan is not playing James Bond. They've got like some guy mumbling in a microphone. He does a fine enough job. Like, it's fine. It's fine. Mm -hmm. I did think the thing that was very striking about mm -hmm. going from The World Is Not Enough, which is from 2000, to this game, which is in 2002, um, the way that the James Bond movies had changed around it, how it had gone from quite domestic and... Uh, Nightfire is from mm. the Die Another Day era where it's just insane gadgets and like turbo boosters on like Aston Martins and insane shit, uh, which I do enjoy. I can see why people got tired of it, but it is like incredible that the same Bond like changed so much in those, even the seven years from Goldeneye as well. It's also got a quite extensive point system, which is quite rare to see of a game from this era. I sent a screenshot to David earlier in the week because I quite enjoyed how it breaks down uh, your bond moves. Um, I can see in the screenshot here, somebody's target was seven bond moves and they performed seven. So they got 100,000 points. And there's also the 007 bonus, which I'm pretty sure is just like the difficulty because they like GoldenEye, it's like agent, secret agent, double O agent is like the the ranking system i just like to believe it's just the 007 bonus where they're like good job on being you james you're our favorite agent have a hundred thousand points um so amazingly in this mission i looked at which was like the opening mission that's like i don't know five or ten minutes long like you get a score that goes into the millions which is incredible and the other the other choice piece i enjoyed was uh from the wikipedia page where it says each level has a number of unique tokens, referred to as 007 tokens, which unlock special rewards in the game, which is like, that's just, uh, 3D games, just, they used to have little spinning gold f trinkets that you'd pick up and you'd get like concept art that was grainy as hell and didn't have any actual context on it. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. um, and then, <laughs> amazingly, they did more, but I, again... This is like this segment's going long, so like I wanna I wanna get to get to the meat, get to the real sicko shit. They did Quantum of Solace, exclusively the PS2 version, which is completely different from the main one that was done by Treyarch. Um, this was the sort of this is the Activision era. This is the first Activision Bond. Um, 
they took it in a very Call of Duty direction, as you'd expect. They handed the main game over to Treyarch, and then Eurocom did this version. It's like a third-person shooter, which is kind of interesting because FPSs were sort of the go-to genre for Bond for a while. I watched a mini-me video about it, and he actually reached out to the devs, and they were like, yeah, it's weird that there aren't more third-person Bond games because, like, you want to be able to see the character. He's kind of an iconic character. Um, which to me is like, yeah, I was sitting there like, yeah, wait, what the hell? Um, I guess the, the counter argument is it's more immersive to be first person or whatever, but it is strange that so many of them were first person after GoldenEye. Then they do the GoldenEye game on Wii. I'm not talking about that because even in my notes, I was like, this is, this is too much. I want to do a different episode about like GoldenEye mm -hmm. and all the times they tried to recapture it and Rogue Agent and, ah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the main thing I wanted to get onto was the thing that ultimately killed Eurocom, which is 007 Legends. So David, I, I do want to throw it back to you because it's been a minute. Mm -hmm. um, the thing about the Bond films is that they are films that like this is this, this will be. It might get it might get spicy. They 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 coast along on the idea that you know it's James Bond, mm. so they have that like there like there are there are good Bond films. Um, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, No Time to Die. Um, those two are good. But, like, by and large, they're, not, they're just, like, not good. <laughs> they're just kind of boring. Um, the thing is that, like, they're formulaic. Mm -hmm. That's, like, what I understand from them. It's kind mm -hmm. of like, it's kind of like Scooby-Doo, how, like, that's a good concept, but it, it keeps getting brought back. Like, mm -hmm. um, James Bond is very similar. Where it has like, you know, you've got the Bond girls, you've got the gadget scenes, you've got the basically mustache twirling villain, mm -hmm. the set pieces, you know, the car chase, yada, yada. It, it's all like sort of in a similar mold, which is where I could definitely understand watching them all in like a year or whatever it was that you ended up doing. I remember you said it was mm -hmm. in, it was in a time period. It, it was last time I did it. I, first time I did it, I was in like I was like fifteen. Mm. Maybe younger. The last time I did it was during the, the novel coronavirus pandemic. Ah uh, right. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of been memory hold again. But like like there's so many of them like the the one I always go back to as like the point where like the bottom falls out mm. is a view to a kill where it's like sixty year old Roger Moore. Mm. Um Whenever he runs, it's like clearly a stunt double running up like <laughs> steps and like driving cars and like just doing anything that doesn't require like a close up of, of Roger Moore. Yeah. Um, but it's like that's the one where like because your your act your bond actor cannot like play bond, the whole thing kind of just like collapses. Yeah. And from then you got the two Daltons where Dalton where it's like it's more like, you know, it's like here's like your rough novel like vicious bond mm. and then which kind of it does kind of work but like i don't know it, it's the thing about the bond movies up until well not even up until the recent ones the recent ones are definitely doing stuff it's like mm. after a certain point they start trying to chase trends rather than trying to set the trend like moonraker becomes like because moonraker the novel is about like a a, a missile uh, it's not, but because Star Wars came out before Moonraker, they were like, "We gotta go to space." So mm. Moonraker becomes like about this guy who has like a space colony, um, who speaks very slowly and very low. And oh God! 
he's played by, he's played by like Michelle Long, like Longstead, who's like really a really good actor, but like he's just talking like this for. Wait, what? Michelle Longstead? Not yes, yeah, yeah, famous Ubisoft developer <laughs> <laughs> Michelle Longstead. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's little little tiny pixie man Michelle Longstead is like bouncing. <laughs> That's really weird. Um, is it, is it Michael? It's either Michelle Lonsdale or Michael Lonsdale. I can't remember. Right, it might be Lonsdale, no, but like you have like you have him. And then you're doing stuff like, you know, like License to Kill is kind of like riffing on like Lethal Weapon and like all these right. like really kind of gritty movies. Um, and like the Craig films are like kind of, you know, they're riffing off of like, you know, Nolan's Batman movies in a way, you know, like Life mm. especially is like, you know, here here is like Bond, the myth like deconstructed. And, you know, we have like a villain who wants to get caught and like the villain who's like a, a really kind of like you know personal vendetta and you know yeah there's all this kind of stuff um but they're just like and of course then you have like john english which is like the, the premier bond film you know you got like mm. uh got john malkovich giving his uh his little french canadian accent and uh, <laughs> uh, uh and all that um yeah i did i did watch uh the third johnny english film during my my brief sort of uh, like 2018, I'm gonna use my Odeon Limitless card to like the absolute max, and I'm literally gonna watch like I'm gonna sit through the trailers, and then I'm gonna make a little list of all the films that are in there, and then I'm gonna go mm. watch the films that are in the trailers. So <laughs> I got English. from yeah, so I got to Johnny English Strikes Again, and I was like not expecting it to be good. Actually, with like adjusted expectations, I had quite a good time. Um, yeah, um, tell a lie. Actually, while you were talking about that, I did remember that I have seen Casino Royale. Um, part of why I forgot was because it was uh, our uncle showing it to us, uh, and he specifically edited out like the long torture scenes and stuff. Uh, so there is a big, like, I don't know, five or ten minute black hole in that film where mm -hmm. Bond goes into a toilet or something, and then he and then he walks back out, but he's very bloody looking. So, no idea what happened there. Hell of a dumb Peter. You do, you should have dubbed it saying like you do not want to go in there and like like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I it, I I just always find that kind of stuff fascinating because it is always interesting how like revered these are held up. Um. But why am I bringing up the legacy of James Bond? Well, <laughs> oh, because God, because. The game I'm talking about next, Eurocom's final game, their opus, if you will, is 007 Legends from 2012, the 50th anniversary year of James Bond. And this is for the Xbox 360, the PS3, and the Wii U. Um, it adapts the stories of five Bond movies. And even when these were announced, people were like, these would probably not be my first choices. There are some cases where their, their backs are against the wall and they couldn't really choose anything else. I forget who the the single Bond is. Is it Lazenby? Yeah. Yeah. So they had to choose Majesty's Secret Service for him because he didn't do any other Bond films. Um, they do Goldfinger for Sean Connery, which is like, fair enough. That's the one people, you know, it's that or Dr. No, or uh, was Octopussy its own film? Or is that a character? Uh, Octopussy is both a film and a character. I see. Uh, Roger Moore's, Are uh... they related to Pussy Galore? or They're not, but you know, there's still only so many, so many, so many names, names you get. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, they didn't have the internet back then. They didn't have all the vernacular we have now. Um, 
yeah, they, they do Goldfinger, Majesty's Secret Service, uh, Moonraker, which is one of the like Jump the Shark Bond mm-hmm. movies, that, from what I understand. That's the one that has uh, my, I check it, Michael Lonsdale, not Michelle Lonsdale, as uh, mm. a guy who Michael Lonsdale, except in your toes, reprises his role in this game. Yes. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was seeing. Yeah, there's a surprising amount of actors that reprise their roles. They they credit Richard Keel because they use his likeness, even though <laughs> Jaws is completely silent. Which you know, good on them, I guess. But um, very funny at the same time. They also credit Daniel Craig for his likeness, but he does not voice himself. Mm. I don't even know if he voiced himself in the GoldenEye remake. I I feel I like... think he did. I think he did. I think I think they made like a big point at E3 being like they threw Daniel a lot of money Craig. at it. Yeah, actually, mm. I'm I watched the 2010 Nintendo E3 a while back, and I'm remembering it now. Um, sidebar, by the way, that GoldenEye reveal is nuts. Like they're playing mm-hmm. so much <laughs> on how much it's like a fan favorite. You, mm, got, you can fo- look at that game. Group. Yeah, the focus group. Yeah, where they're like, how would you feel if a world-renowned, like, one of the best games of all time came back? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, we're bringing back GoldenEye. And everyone's, like, losing their minds. It's, like, it's, it's kind of, it's it's pretty wholesome. I won't lie. But it's also so funny. Because you look back at the sales of that game. And it's, like, well, for an N64 game, 8 million units. Which is, like... That's good. That's huge, especially mm-hmm. for the era of the time. But like the fact that it's been revisited so many times, it's like based off those sales, it's like, I don't know, fascinating to me because I, there's so many games I feel like that have just sold more that they've just that have never been tapped into like that. But yeah, uh, as I was saying, they yeah, they bring back a lot of the old characters, bring back a lot of the old likenesses. But the, the key thing is that Daniel Craig has been like transposed into all of these old movies like the frame of device is like a scene from skyfall where he's fighting a guy again haven't seen skyfall he's fighting a guy on a train and then uh money penny's taking the shot and she accidentally shoots him and he falls into the river and then he starts like having these like hallucinatory flashbacks of like all his old adventures he's like seeing like the big floating head that's like no mr bond i expect you to die uh it's a very swish um and then yeah it's just like back-to-back like missions with very little context between them from what i was seeing where you're just like here's all so here's every scene from goldfinger and it's it's condensed into like half an hour an hour of just like madcap set pieces and like characters jumping in to give all the exposition because it's it's weird that um it has kind of the opposite problem that a lot of movie licensed games have um, and for full disclosure, I did watch Mini Me did a video about this, like literally in the last week. I only found it yesterday, and I was like, while I was doing the research, I was like, oh my god, oh, I can, I can sort of like get some stuff from this because he does great like developer insight stuff. Please go watch that video; it's awesome. But some up that was quite interesting was that most movie licensed games, it's like, well, it's like an hour and a half or two hours of story in the movie but like a game needs to be you know like at least like six or so hours so like you have to come up with a lot of padding a lot of scenes but you know whether there'll be gigantic shootouts that didn't happen in the movie or whatever um but this game kind of has the opposite problem where they're condensing these two hour long in some case more more than two hour long uh movies into 30 minutes and trying to like remove a lot of the context so it's like a lot of like mindless shooting and then again as i was jumping in to like give you the gist of the plot and then it's it moves on sometimes they don't even finish with like the endings of the movie it's just like 
it, it, the level just ends, um, <laughs> which is very strange. Um, there's also occasionally you have uh, boxing matches with uh the villains so like you you square up against ob job and they're just essentially like qtes it's like press up on the right stick now mm. and he'll throw a hook and do this and you know you're just you're just playing a really bad cutscene. um and there's apparently a surprising amount of those um again i i did want to play this but uh getting the wii u version to work was just like impossible um, because it got delisted pretty much immediately after it came out because it was not well received. Um, getting a physical copy mm. is like £30. Screw that. Interestingly, the Wii U version is the only version to have the quote-unquote final stage of the game, which is the Skyfall stage, which they didn't release when the game came out because they were worried about spoiling the film. So they released it as DMC after the film came out. <laughs> And it has barely any plot points from the movie in it. It's just, there's a motorcycle race through like Istanbul or somewhere. And then you, you fight the main guy. And then it ends with um, Q in your ear being like, you've got another mission. And then it, the game literally just cuts to black credits. It's like, wow, that was a great denouement. Like, all came together in the end, lads. Um, I, I did really want to play that Wii U version though, because it's like one of the games from like the first year of that console so there's so much gamepad shit in it mm. um and already in the base game uh because it's been modernized and it's daniel craig it's all like pull out your smartphone now and start scanning things and like take a call and things and you're like <laughs> doing that on the gamepad apparently so i really wanted to play it but unfortunately not um <laughs> but it is apparently like absolutely wretched like it's based on the GoldenEye engine, but like the the movement is terrible. It's all like square and oh god, it it does look incredibly dated for the time as well. Like this is right at the end of the seventh gen, and it, yeah, not good. Um, clearly, Eurocom were really crunched to get this out for the anniversary. Uh, nobody seemed to be happy with it. And um, it did unfortunately kill off the studio. Um, literally within days of the Wii U version coming out, um, they laid off 150 members of their 200 staff, God. said that they were pivoting to mobile. Oh, no. <laughs> and then two weeks later, uh, just shut the entire studio. They were like, this is, I can't do this. Um, kind of, yeah, darkly funny that they do, they do briefly say that they're pivoting <laughs> to mobile and then it's like, no, 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 it's not happening. Cut it, cut it, cut it. That, that gif of Vince McMahon, like, shaking his head or whatever. They, the, the, the reason they list is that there's a bunch of console projects that fell through due to NDAs and stuff. We don't know what those are. The only one I think we can say with some certainty would be related is the 2011 Spider-Man 4 tie-in game. Uh, which didn't happen for very <laughs> obvious reasons. Um, it's kind of crazy because there's always this sort of culture around games that get cancelled or like cut content or whatever, where people like look it up and they're like, oh my God, this game looks incredible. This would have been like the new Spider-Man 2. Um, it looks fine. I mean, you know, it's obviously at a prototype stage. It's just amazing that Spider-Man 4 was like long enough or far enough in production that... Um, tie-in games are already getting made like that's crazy to me mm -hmm. um and then you know a year after that gets cancelled we get andrew garfield so um anyway so that was my my little odyssey through 
some research about James Bond and how it's weirdly linked to Eurocom and the sort of tragic fall of both. I didn't look too much into, you know, if the if many of the key devs on Eurocom games are still in industry or, you know, I mean, they were quite a venerable studio by that point, about 24 years in the biz, but it's always sad when, you know, um, a company that's been around so long does go under. And usually for reasons far outside of their control, in this case, uh, publishers giving them very unreasonable deadlines and big uh, contract holders cancelling contracts. I would be interested to see what their other projects might have been, because, again, I just find stuff like that really interesting. But yeah, I just thought um, it was funny that their careers kind of started and ended with James Bond games of very different varieties mm. as well, like James Bond Jr., this weird cartoon tie-in, and then 007 Legends, this weird movie tie-in that both of them are mashing together these weird disparate elements both of them quite mediocre legends is m much less competent unfortunately as a technical experience um but yeah that was uh that was my corner i am very conscious of that, how long this segment went on for um we will we will be back after the interval for david's segment uh stay tuned you a question okay okay this is this is the first in what might be a recurring segment where i try and get to the heart of people that i don't quite understand through the games that they license their likeness to um and this is a segment this this particular inaugural one is i suppose i'm trying to figure out what makes this certain person tick um now this is someone that i've spoken to you about before uh -oh. that i genuinely i i don't want to say despise but i do not like this person um you are the angry gamer towards them i am the angry i am the the i'm gonna make an evil review about this person um this person was born in 1975 oh okay we're doing a bit of a guessing game Mm -hmm. They got their big break by being in this documentary about this place where they worked, and the, the producers were like, "That guy, you know, he um he really popped. We should give him his own show." Uh, and that show led to this whole thing. Um, he is so far away now. He prepared a meal for noted war criminal Tony Blair. Uh oh. Uh, he's annoying. He's in the UK dub of Ratatouille. He's a dweeb who's like, Gordon Ramsay swears too much. Oh, oh no, he swears too much. Oh no. Uh -huh. um, he's, he's classist. He's ignorant. He has a video game. This is attempting to find out what makes Jamie Oliver tick <laughs> by looking at what's cooking with Jamie Oliver. Yes! <laughs> so what's cooking with Jamie Oliver um, is it's a, it's a DS game. It's one of those kind of, it's it's a game that is like, it's like a mix of cooking sim and cookbook. You know, they got all these games like from the DS where like here's just a cookbook you can flip yep. through. Nintendo did you one. Yeah. 
they did they did like everyone because it was just like you know everyone has a ds at this mm-hmm. point all they because you have like, brain training stuff where we just make like a cookbook you can like mm-hmm. this was developed by keen games gmbh and co.kg um that's a very long t- name for a studio they're german yeah. they made stuff like anno 1701 dawn discovery which i somehow owned i think i won the competition from like toxic magazine or something and I played it for like an hour, and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. When I don't know, like, like, it's the same like Civ. I can't like those kind of games. I just don't like they, they, they. It's like oil and water. I can't really figure them out. But um, they, that they also made Dance Dance Revolution Disney Channel edition. Um, okay, which is like one of the only, only one of the only DDRs not made by Konami. Yeah. Um, which it, but Konami published it, but they like they were like you know we don't want we don't want we don't want the Disney Channel. Where you can make a, a King Games GmbH and Co.KG. Um, um, it was published by what was then called. Sorry to itch my ear. Um, it was published what was then called uh, Atari Europe, who they had just released something like George of the Jungle and the Search for the Secret, which is uh, a game. Is this a PS2 game? It's a DS game. Okay, right. They also de- really had just released Naruto Ultimate Ninja 3. And they're, yes, they're about to re- that yeah. the big Atari logo <laughs> on the front is so funny to me. Oh, um, brilliant! But they're they're going to they're going to release the Italian game for the Tales of Despero, a movie that looks like really ugly. I've never seen before because it looks so like off-putting. Um, the game itself. Mm. So you turn the game on, and it opens up this montage of Jamie Oliver photos of him like drizzling oil on all this fucking shit. <laughs> um, and then like, you go to the main menu, and this really like heavily condensed sound, but Jimmy Oliver was like, "Welcome to the game." Um, yes. <laughs> and it gives you like three options, and you get like the option to go to cookbook, cooking game, and options. Now options uh-huh. is, is is options. You know, the, 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 I, I learned like I learned nothing about Jimmy in there other than like you, you can um for some reason it's one of those options where like you go into the options and one of the options is like watch the credits. So I oh found, brilliant! <laughs> I put on the credits um and it was just like it's, it's just like a, a, a like a, a, a kind of nice bit of music while everyone's just like here's all the developers um so mm. into the cookbook then and when you open the cookbook. Uh, another like really heavily condensed Jamie Oliver sound like was like cook for your friends. Oh, uh, and you give you give three options: interactive cookbook, shopping list, and recipe sharing. Okay. Now, inter- interactive cookbook is just like the whole list of like every recipe in the game, and Jamie mm-hmm. reads out like the names of uh, each recipe as you go along. So it's like mm-hmm. orecchetti with parmesan. Oh man, ham sandwich. Prone, ham prone sandwich. Co- well, there's no ham. There's, there's no ham. There's a sandwich in there. It's like, it's like a normal. Here's sandwich. what you get. You pause. <laughs> prone cocktail. Um, I learned nothing here other than all of his secrets. What a fool! He gave me all of his all of his recipes. I can go <laughs> yeah. make them. I can become Jimmy all over. Um, so I go into shopping list, which is really just like a space for your shopping list. But yeah. Like, as if you'd want to walk around Aldi or like a Nintendo 3DS or DS, sorry, and be mm. like, you know, I'm going to take off all my, my shopping list ingredients. Let's mm. PNG the strawberry. There you go. It's done. <laughs> um, recipe sharing is like the interesting one. Oh, is that like a wireless thing? Or Yeah, it's, it's literally, oh, brilliant. You, can, you can only use it with like local DS, like wireless <laughs> stuff. So like you can't like thread any of the, <laughs> anything to like anyone. <laughs> I'm imagining if they did like uh, two like versions of it, like Pokemon, and you like trade <laughs> recipes. It's like po- like uh, Jamie Oliver sizzling sizzling steak. 
and like brilliant corn. <laughs> it's like the vegan and the uh, <laughs> the meat versions. So you can't like you can't leak out any Jamie's secret recipes because okay, you can only connect to the DS. Right. So it's time to get cooking at this point. I want to figure out you know how, how if Jamie's gonna cook, how do I cook? So I go mm. into the cooking cooking game, which prompts like a soundbite of "Welcome." Let me show you how to play my cooking game. <laughs> okay. As 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 if this man is some like eternal being drawing me into a game I have no hope of winning. Like yeah. a war between dark and light, you know, an eternal game across the stars. Yeah. The upper screen has two JPEGs of Jamie cracking the same egg. <laughs> uh and I quickly realized that like it's the same photo, but one of them is zoomed in and tilted, so it looks like two different photos. Um unless his upcoming game is like bullshit, you know, I'm not gonna be tricked. Yeah. So we go we go to the test kitchen, which is like an approximation of a TV kitchen. He tells me I'm learning fast as I touch the icons he tells me to touch, perhaps unaware that I will discover who he is and surpass him in all in one go quite soon. Yeah. He makes me move a bottle of milk from one counter to another, like a scientist making a chimp press a button over and over. Then he makes me throw a single slice of bacon into a cold, unlit pan. Then he makes me pour milk into a bowl. I'm then prompted to shake some flour into it by the touchscreen. And the thing about the touchscreen, like shaking stuff, yeah. uh, it takes forever because you have to like grab the, the, the bag of flour and like shake it. But when you shake it, like nothing comes out. So you see, like really like, vigorously, like <laughs> rub the touchscreen so it gets starts like shaking up this flour. Right. Um, it's because Jamie thinks he has me beat at this point because, like, you know, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm so tired from shaking this flour out. So he's like, here, have an egg, you know, crack an egg into this mix. Then, for, for no reason whatsoever, he makes me bend time in front of him. <gasps> he gives me a clock and he says, you can change his clock so the, the hour goes forward so it cooks quicker. Oh my so God. Is this his secret? Mm hmm. So I push, I push the hour forward, I, I, I bend time for him. Yeah. Um, he keeps yelling at me. Then have I need to get? Some, I, he's like, you gotta get some practice in my virtual kitchen. He keeps like the game keeps like telling you that as you're going. I'm like, okay, so I do. I do quite well, except for this bit where he keeps telling me to, like touch a spoon and then open the help menu to like look at what a spoon is. Um, the uh-huh. menu until I like I had to, like touch the spoon like a really specific angle because whenever I touch it, like the game like reads like lifting the spoon off the counter. Yeah, so I have to, like touch it like really, really like specifically like a specific angle for it to like <laughs> recognize. I'm actually just tapping the spoon. Um, I master the basics basically of the game, mm-hmm. and then he allows me to make my first dish, prawn cocktail. The guy, the game guides my hand as though I'm a puppet of Jamie's, bending to his whims, and I allow it to do so. Yeah, ready, ready to spring a trap. Yes, but to also understand who this man is and what his mind has wrought. I have to boil prawns for two minutes. As I arrange the lettuce on a plate, virtual Jamie says, Cool, yes, that's tasty. And I have to admit, it is. Mm-hmm. That is just perfection. Fantastical, he says, as I submit <laughs> the digital plate of red and green mush, the big slice of lemon on top, which is, vi- by the way, that's vile. He makes you cut like a lemon. And then put like a big slice of lemon on top of the co- the prawn cocktail. Is that's like a thing that you know, anyone would do if they, if they were having a like, prawn cocktail? Um, I've only ever had prawn cocktail twice, so I assume that it maybe is a thing. Otherwise, it's been crisps, and like I do not want lemon flavored crisps. No. Um, so I try his pancakes next. You know, it's got blueberries and bananas and a mascarpone topping. Mm. I think I fucked it up though because I only got four stars out of five. 
um, I had to tra- <laughs> I had to drown in like maple syrup to get to the right level of full plate, which is why I explained to you the mechanic of this game. So um, there's a meter in the left hand side of the touchscreen that like mm. fills up. Um, so if you're filling like a bowl or a plate or a pot, it like moves from like red, which is like you know not done, to green, which is like you know perfect. You got it right. Mm. So I to, like so I like I played up the the pancake and it's like at yellow, which means like you know it's not fully there. <laughs> so I to, like basically I grab I grab the maple syrup that you meant to put on and I basically emptied the entire bottle on top until it turned green and handed it in. Um, so I unlock more and more of his secret recipes and wonder if this is also a test, you know, to see if, if I will fuck it up, to see if mm. I'll reveal all of his deepest secrets to mankind and that I have access to them. So I make one of his recipes, chicken and rice. Uh-huh. And I accidentally serve half the chicken raw. Like I was <laughs> I was like mixing in the pan and like I like it it was gone green and like I like put four time, like five minutes, I guess that me they told me to like yeah. Know, so I checked it, like I poured it out, and like half chicken was still pink, um, along with like raw egg yolk and soya sauce. But he says nothing. He gives me five stars. <gasps> this is troubling, isn't it? Though, like that—that's dangerous. Like he ought to be shut down. You know, can I do? Maybe I, I can do that. You know, I have that power now. I can, I can bring him down. But instead, I hold off because I decide now I'm going to keep going to unlock the game's unique selling point, the mode where you can do whatever the hell you want. Um, the sandbox, the sandbox. But then I actually learned that you unlock it like straight away. You just do the tutorial and like unlocks it. But the thing is, it doesn't unlock the ingredients you need, um, including cheese, until you finish more of his recipes. So like he's playing God here. He's he's holding me like down mm. and saying you can't have cheese until you make my cheese recipes. Um, so I, I make two dishes. Okay, one is a sort of like an egg and rice omelet made with coriander. English mustard and rice, and here's mm. how you make it: you fry it for you fry that mix for like forty minutes, and then bake it for fifty minutes at two hundred and fifty degrees Celsius, and then you finish it off by pouring forty milliliters of cold water on top of it. I call it scotch. That's S K U T C H. Scotch. Mm. Jamie says nothing when I submit that recipe in. Um, I then make it. Then I make some potato and onion muffins. And I accidentally call it crunch with a question mark. I, I get into the question mark, the question mark, because there's like an option where you can like write in the name by hand, and like it reads like H letter as you as you put it in. Right. And wherever I put in like like the H, uh, it read as like a question mark. So it's like crunch. <laughs> um, Jamie still says nothing, and I, I quickly realized that like you know this game has limited potential outside mm. of corrupting abominations in his name. So I try the third mode, which is cook off. And this is just like a timed version of the main game. Yeah. So I'm given I'm given five minutes to make Jamie's prompt cocktail. It takes me two minutes, twenty eight seconds, fifty two nanoseconds. And I've had mm. enough at this point, you know. I'm no closer to finding out who this man is, but his legend remains and his roots that allow that, that allowed this legend life grow deeper the closer I get to cutting the tree that is Jamie Oliver down. Yeah. So I abandon the game and I move on to step two. And step two is I decide to reach out. <laughs> So first, I try the Jamie Oliver subreddit, which is dead at this point for a year. I know that submissions Jamie, are turned off. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I know we have limited time. There's a Jamie yeah. Oliver subreddit. It was. It's gone. It's dead. <laughs> but into the, the ground. The submissions are turned off. I assumed oh, I could no. join it. I assumed I could join it. So I, 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 I joined it. To, like, <laughs> assuming that okay, it would unlock the 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 option to submit. Yeah. But nothing happens. So I'm left to wonder what happened here. What happened to turn this this 
area into like a dead zone. So I turned to Facebook. Um, I deleted my account like a, year, like a year ago at this point, but I had to make a new account, um, partly to like network, but also just to do stuff like this. So yeah. I made, I made, so I joined, I joined um, ten public Jamie Oliver groups. And I posted the exact same question in each of them, asked if they played What's Cooking Jamie Oliver. Oh my Although, god! The thing is, now it's called What's Cooking Jamie Oliver, but it's also called What's Cooking with Jamie Oliver, and both titles are used like interchangeably so i i often yeah. go whichever one the first group which seems to be occupied solely by a page called I mean, like things called like soup lover or lovers of soup uh <laughs> okay. tells, they, t- they say like we have to approve your post you know whatever so i say okay like, no worries and i tried another few of these groups i get the exact same thing like you know the mods <laughs> will approve your post whenever they want to um so i leave a comment yeah. <laughs> i leave a comment well, I tried to leave a comment in the second group I joined on like one of these, like because it's all like like bots posting, like you know, they they like at everyone in the group and they like a recipe for like <laughs> ham, ham hamburger pie or like ch- yeah. chicken ice cream or whatever. Um, I tried to leave a comment on on like on like one of these posts, and like <laughs> Facebook was like, "You cannot leave a comment on this post. Dare you? You you're not allowed. Like, you don't have the permission to do this." Um, oh, no. So I move on to um. Like, like uh, I was like, is this 1984 that the group will say I can't say this looks disgusting? I don't know. So I'm allowed in the third group to, to call some recipes delicious, which I do, um, and then that's fine. But none of these groups like approve my books. So I'm off doing something else. I get like a notification on my phone uh, from my email telling me like, two minutes after I leave all these like comments saying that Facebook has suspended my account. Uh, I frankly realize it's because the question I posted was like the exact same question. Like, <laughs> right. So it was like, obviously, like, you are a robot. And I was like, no, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find the truth here. So they, they, they let me unsuspend it then. And then at this point, I'm like, I had to get like the answers. So I, I turned to like the ultimate gambit. I emailed the media department of Jamie Oliver's media conglomerate. Um, so I'm already fighting the I'm like, I'm fighting up a river here because. In order to email Jamie Oliver's like company, mm. uh, I don't have a media account. I have a Gmail account. Mm. They don't have like a. I don't have a media account equivalent, but they don't have a David media account equivalent. So we're kind of on equal footing here, you know. Mm. So I, I send him an email saying like, "Can Jamie talk to me? Give me a statement on the game, you know, even just a little comment." Um, but I did. I did make sure to say like, you know, I know it's a silly request, but like, could you know, could you ask Jamie if he remembers making this game? Um, if he remembers again, the long hours of coding, <laughs> the long hours of saying that's fantastico. Um, <laughs> I get an automatic response saying that like they're only responding to media requests at the moment because apparently their inbox is super busy, and like, of course it is. You know, Jamie Oliver is famously asked like comment on everything, so mm. I turn my attention to two other giants of industry. I I look look okay. I send two emails: one to Keen Games GmbH and Co.KG and Atari. Um, Atari, I couldn't get a, I couldn't get a line on their like current European like company. They probably changed about <laughs> like three times since this. It's it's called like Atari S S something. I don't know what it's it's really weird. S A I think at some point mm-hmm. that was like the infograms one, but I don't mm-hmm. know if that one's been split off into different. But there's one that's has. pursuing casinos <laughs> and uh, hotels and <laughs> buying a bunch of oh god. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, so I email, I, I send off these two emails, hoping for the best. And guess what? I mm. get an email. I get an email back 
I get an email back from um from Pete Wallington or Pete Wallington, development director on What's Cooking, Jamie Oliver. What? He, yeah, he unfortunately is swamped by work right now, oh. and so he passed up the opportunity to to leave any comment. But he does remember the game. He says. Um, and I appreciate the response. And I did email back saying, listen, if you want to listen to this, you know, you watch out on this specific day for this episode. So if Pete, if you're here, hi, how's it going? Um, I appreciate you reaching back out. Um, I check Facebook again. <laughs> I, mean, I check Facebook <laughs> again. I keep getting tagged in like all these, all these fucking posts from like spam bots. Um, there's one, there's one submission that's like a hamburger casserole. <laughs> I leave a comment. I leave a comment saying this is disgusting, and like someone else in the group's like, "You're right." And I was like, "Yeah, Jamie would fucking despise this." And they're like, "Yeah, yeah." And I was like, and then they were like, "Yeah, I know, it's so disgusting." And I was like, "Yeah, I see Facebook's like covered in like spam bots at the moment," and uh, the person that they're responding like, "Yeah, I know, it's really sad." So I, I made a friend here, um, uh, but like the thing is, I leave a comment saying Jamie would hate this, and that breaks my heart, my mind in two. Yeah. Because now I know what this man likes, which means I know him. I have conquered God. I have been gifted knowledge that men would have gone to war to obtain thousands of years ago. Insight into a pillar of culture. Yet I don't know him. I don't know the full him. I don't think I ever will. You know, Jamie's unknowable in a way that like, I think is intentional. I think like, you look what happened when he said he, he tried to like show his real face, you know, mm. when he tried to do like the school dinner thing and like the budgeting thing, when he showed his ass, he got like mercilessly and rightfully, I will say, pushed back down to the ground. Mm. Being the brand is safer than being the person because the brand gets you 20 or 30 public Facebook groups full of spam bots. <laughs> it gets you someone who gets an email back from Atari saying, we don't have any information on this game, but thank you for emailing us. That was a really annoying email. Like, I remember being like, we, we don't remember our, our own game, but like, you know, thanks anyway. Um, thank you, Atari. That was really, really helpful. The brand gets you a video game where you record dialogue for about half an hour and gets condensed. The brand ensures you're a celebrity chef who somehow becomes known on a first name basis across the world, you know? Mm. The brand gets you what's cooking Jamie Oliver. But the brand doesn't stop you from being a piece of shit, Jamie. So I hope you're happy with that. I hope you. I hope it keeps you up at night knowing that even with what's cooking, Jamie Oliver, the home of scotch and onion and potato muffins, even with that, you're never getting back to any level where people don't know you're an asshole. Yeah, that is my look into Jamie Oliver. Thank you. Fantastic. For the benefit of everyone, I wanted it known that the only context I had about this segment before was a single email to Atari. <laughs> and I thought it was going to oh. be about the speaker hats. <laughs> <laughs> it's about, see, you, you talk about James, I talk about Jamie. Yeah. That's what connects us here. Yeah. We were all about, about the cultural icons known as Jamie and James. Um, I think the conclusion is that he was known as the naked chef, but now truly the emperor has no clothes. Mm hmm. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that, that's about it. <laughs> Incredible. What a journey. Yeah. Um, oh. The crazy thing as well is that uh, back in my school, 
uh, we had a cooking program that was called License to Cook, and it it was a big wooden spoon that someone had drawn the 007 logo on. I'm not kidding. This is like a cosmic link. Um, So, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty special. Well, thank you for listening to this incredibly disparate mess. This is an absolute joy. Um, I hope David's segment in particular was as fun for you guys. I was, for the record, I was laughing a lot, but the microphone kept like filtering it out. I was like fiddling with the microphone settings. I was like, I th- <laughs> please, please. Oh my God. I, ah, oh, my face hurts. Um, David, where can people continue to follow your exploits? Um, at F-E-W-B-A-T everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, even, I'm, I'm guessing yeah. the Facebook account remains anonymous. Yeah, it does, as does my Jamie, Jamie Oliver, Oliver Jr. <laughs> goes about being documented. <laughs> there's not even a Jamie Oliver forum. I looked at the Jamie Oliver forums, but like, surely one that like is out there, and like, no, there's, there's, no, there's nothing. Like He's got like no he's got no fans. He's got no he's games. He's got no cultural footprint. He's not cooking anymore, I'd tell you that much. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, you can find me at Sammy underscore Crow. Um, I promise I don't go this feral about James Bond usually. It just, I, something in my brain got tripped and it became a hyperfixation for a sec there. Uh, and I thought talking about four games would be a lot shorter than talking about 30. <laughs> you can also follow us both on at Gamer or a podcast everywhere. Um, we'll also be putting, uh, the game's up on backlogged as we were saying before so mm-hmm. you have a bit of a, a reading list if you if you so desire and yeah at gamer era podcast on twitter and blue sky as well um so yeah join us next time <laughs> for i don't know i <laughs> we to be clear we have some ideas but um yeah this is this has mm-hmm. been very fun so far and um we're both very excited again talking from the past we're both very excited for the launch tomorrow and um yeah thank you for following us on this journey um what was it we said last time was it oh it was keep gaming didn't, didn't he do well didn't we do well it's a brucey game it's a brucey game what's what's cooking with brucey brucey what's cooking with bruce Forsyth? <laughs> oh no <laughs> the streams are crossing I think that's just canonized as our sign-off now. Mm-hmm. He, he, he needs scotch. He needs scotch. He, we all need scotch. <laughs> um. <laughs> We're all growing boys. <laughs>